Hello, and welcome to Femme On Poetry Theater. I'm your host, Ada McCartney. Each episode features an interview with a fellow poet wherein we exchange news, share work, speak on inspiration and dialogue about the process of etymological transformation. Thank you for joining us. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of Poetry Theater. I'm your MC, Ada McCartney, and today I'm just like alive with gratitude and love for my guest on this show. Um, I know Alyssa Halduki as my first RA and the woman who probably, who did save my life, literal life, on several occasions during my freshman year of college. Welcome to the show, Alyssa. Oh my gosh, Ada. I was just thinking as you, thank you so much for having me. I was just thinking as you started this intro, what an immediate impression I feel like you made upon me when I was an RA and how I was like, I'm so glad that there's someone like Ada on this floor, like two doors down from me. <laughs> Spent time with, and um, dear listeners, <laughs> it's been well over a decade since I've seen or heard your voice beyond Instagram. So I'm so happy and grateful to be here also. Um, 12 years and 12. here we are. My gosh, my gosh. And miles apart. Thank you so much for having me, Ada. Miles apart. Um, You're in one of my favorite cities that I've ever been to. Fill a fucking Delphia. Can I fill do that here? Delphia. Yes, you can fill okay, a fucking great. Delphia here. <laughs> um, Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I realized yeah, the just, place where I realized that life is possible without without having to ever drive a car. Yes. And as a queer person with <sighs> probably lots of letters that you could ascribe to my mental illnesses, it's never going to happen that I'm going to get behind the wheel. This is the first place I've admitted it. But <laughs> never. Fuck yeah, Philadelphia. Um, so Melissa. Um, I have known you through um, many artistic practices, poetry, theater, comedy, among them. Um, what's your origin story at the nexus of these arts? Writing? And it's so funny that it is writing. You're absolutely right, because I always felt this, I'll never be a writer feeling. I think because people try to tell you that it's harder than it is, that it's not as intuitive as it is, or that there's some special formula, or I think I was just maybe taking my teachers far too literally, but you know, (laughs) I think that, um, yeah, yeah, it's been writing and, uh, from writing came theater and music and from that, um, stand-up comedy and now television and podcasting and it's just you know all spun out from a love of words that's right you're doing television now so your love of words when i'm sure there's like at a certain point the patriarchy academia etc is like instilling this you'll never be a writer bullshit but oh yeah where does that love of words and language see like what where's that Great question. Um, well, growing up bilingual, 
Um, you know, one of my first memories is learning how to write my name in English and Arabic in our house in Mishrif in Kuwait in 1991 or whatever, you know, um, you know, right after the Gulf War, learning how to learning how to write. And my parents are both teachers. They both teach mm. English. My mom teaches English. Um, I grew up, you know, learning Shakespeare along with her 12th grade students. And then my dad teaches English at a deaf school. And so we grew up helping my dad um, be his hand models in the Arabic version of <laughs> the dictionary, <laughs> you know. The signing um, dictionary. In the a signing wow. dictionary. Yes, I have a copy of my dad's Kuwaiti Arabic language book, um, KSL book. So, you know, language was it. My grandmother taught English. My um my great uncle is a musician and uh, back in Kuwait, I was a big uh, oud player. And so poetry and music and mm. my grandfather was a pearl diver and there's the pearl diving songs and there's just, you know, like literal just, dives in the ocean for pearls, dives pearl diver? in the ocean for pearls. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, words get you rhythmically, you know, th- sailing and words and chanting and music and then you know, just growing up in a house where all we talked about was language. Mm. My mom speaks a bunch of languages. Um, we're all very linguistically inclined. I can pick up a language pretty quick. It's like, you know, comedy is a language. History is a language. Wine is a language. Ooh. Sounds like your superpower. And yet, I wonder if... Um that like never be a writer and how you're mentioning the over complexifying of writing <laughs> as, as a thing um, is because it's language as an art form, as a it's so much more than writing Absolutely, Absolutely. <laughs> and a writer. Oh, a hundred percent. And, and that, I mean, not to skip around, but like yeah. that directly led to me becoming a stand-up comedian because the first time I ever, thought about uh, well after I left college which is where you and I parted ways um you know in college I only really did a couple plays I really wasn't on stage a lot I was focusing on my studies moved to Philly started working in restaurants um where I learned that spirits are their own language and um you know really just wasn't performing at all and it just eventually got so miserable I had to like find something I really thought I was going to become a storyteller I was listening to the risk podcast um I love that got to smoke weed with Kevin Allison once really a fabulous moment for me um but uh really thought I was going to become a storyteller tried telling stories and was like god this is complicated and boring and (laughs) boring I was like my story that I thought was so interesting is boring and like I see that it's going to take me a lot of work to get it to the place that I want it to be. And I had not yet understood what people were telling me when they were talking about um, story development. And so I like looking back on it now, I can see what I was doing wrong. (laughs) Um, But at the time, like nobody had explained it to me in a way that I understood. And so I had this one 30 second bit that worked and that is now a joke I still tell today. And so it was just like, oh, it's so much easier to get a laugh than to write a five minute story that has a beginning, middle, end, 
makes you laugh, makes you cry, change over time. I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to do any of that. (laughs) So how do you go from listening to the wrist, working on these stories? Um, Also, story structure, I'm still, I still struggle with that. Um, As a person who literally teaches English. (laughs) um, (laughs) Where did, how did you come to comedy? Go to, did you go to a show? Did you just get up on stage? Tell me about that. Yeah. I mean, I, growing up, like my exposure to comedy was limited. We had a couple of albums. We had, um, uh, Bill Cosby, Eddie Murphy. Um, and I think those were the two albums we had and I, and Chris Rock maybe, but I, I I really loved the Eddie Murphy album. Um, and then in college, I was really into Susie Eddie Izzard, really got into her obsessed and, um, highly recommend the audiobook of her memoir oh it's 15 hours long she goes on tangents just do it anyway 15 hours yeah. i want to spend <laughs> it's okay um so where was i i eddie Izzard was a, a a comic that i enjoyed but comedy was stand-up comedy wasn't really an art form that i was like wow i gotta figure this out and i think maybe that helped me get there um, but the inciting incident, if you will, uh, was a couple of friends of mine opened a bar. Um, a couple of years later, I would officiate their wedding, which is a little tidbit that I think is quite fun. Um, but they opened up this bar and I was like, let me go support them. And I happened to go on a night where they had an open mic night. Um, and I snuck my underage brother in, sorry, Jay and Shannon, if you're hearing this, I did break the law. I snuck my underage brother in, I had three beers in an and I was like, I think I could do this. And my brother was like, yes, you can. We're going to put your name in the bucket. Hell yes, hell little they, brother. Hell yes, little brother. Um, So I ended up going up there and I ended up telling that story that didn't work out the way I thought it would. But I did get this, have this, this short little bit that was really the essence of the story that um, has survived to this day in my stand-up routine about um speaking of can't drive a cars it's a bit about why i can't ride a bicycle um <laughs> i'm just <laughs> i'm like device like travel device impaired um and so after that moment you know one of the great things about comedy is community um of course since we don't have an hr department most of these people i'm not <laughs> don't associate with anymore but a lot of people came up to me and they were like hey you're quite funny uh I can I see that this is your first time or I'd mentioned it or something and they were like but you should keep trying and so I kept going back and I wrote a set and I studied stand-up and I think again like I said like you know I think people don't treat stand-up comedy as an art form which is a mistake because it is art but because I didn't think of it as art (laughs) I was able to like let go and go with the flow and really figure out like what stand-up comedy is and how do I do it. So did you come to stand-up comedy, like seeing it as an art through the study of it and the practice of it or something else? Yeah. I mean, I think I, I did it for a while and you eventually get the balls to call yourself a comedian, right? You get your first $20 at Stevens Brewery in Manion, <laughs> Pennsylvania. And you're like, this is it. I made it. Um, and then you start to hear people talk about how it's an art form. And like, at the time I'm just winging it, right. I'm just saying funny stuff. And if people laugh, I keep it. 
And if they don't laugh, I ditch it. Right. Like, <laughs> I love that. I really, I really haven't figured it out yet. Um, but I'm good at that for now. <laughs> you know, and that's giving me a float. And so I know in my head it's an art form because I am writing and I am editing. And um, one thing I tell my students is the difference between an artist and a hobbyist is drafts and writing and rewriting and like really changing your idea understanding that once it's out of your hands it's being interpreted and I then have to continue to mold it to get what I want out of it um and so now you know over the pandemic I had three years you know inside to sit and think about what does comedy mean and so I came up with these theories of how you be funny and how you write a joke and how you communicate to an audience member who isn't, for example, a non-binary, biracial, but bisexual comedian who lived in Michigan and lived in Philadelphia. Like that is my specific experience. How do I make people say, I see myself in that because they're not, it's about what we experience, not about me telling you what my life is and you have to laugh at it. So what's one of the theories that you came to in your three years of sequestered study and theorizing? Yeah, um, it's, it's my my favorite theory. And really, my theory is every joke is, and you're going to laugh because this is such a, a K-College, Kalamazoo College student thing to say. But for me, a joke is an essay, right? Your setup, your premise, it's a thesis statement. You have three supporting arguments in your rule of threes. And then your punchline is the conclusion to your essay. And really what you are doing with that basic structure of comedy, which also sounds a lot like an essay, is proving my unique worldview, right? Um, oh, wow. It, men be like this is a thesis statement. <laughs> like women be shopping <laughs> is a thesis statement. I need you to prove it to me through mm. hilarious examples or an analogy and then I need you to bring it all home with that punchline that proves to me without a doubt because I am pissing myself laughing that you are right mm. and that's every joke comedy is an essay every joke is an essay it's a small Oof. essay <laughs> and that's why me a nerd is good at it wow yeah this also mm -hmm. must be why you are so good at twitter. <laughs> twitter i feel like most of my twitter is me complaining about having migraines or being depressed and then everyone's relatable <laughs> but you're it's oh, like funny because you're okay. nerdy about it um so you tried it in a bar now you teach it you're on tv you're getting paid to sort of bring all this together um mm -hmm what who and what's inspiring you presently and what what's percolating great 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 question i mean um excuse me one of the things you know in my comedy revelation also and part of this theory that i touched on a little bit is that like you know it's not about me in the spotlight with a microphone it is about what me as a person in a sea of audience members what we are feeling mm -hmm. together um and my activism 
directly is related to that. Um, uh, I work with an organization called Yellow Punk here in Philadelphia and New York. And um, when I first met the founder of Yellow Punk, Rena Fayez, uh, they were like, hey, if you ever want to get involved um, with Yellow Punk, we'd love to have you. And I said, you know, I I hate to admit this, but I'm very intimidated by activists. Like, I just don't think I have it in me to do what you folks do. And they said something to me that absolutely changed my mind, which was you getting on stage and being yourself and saying your story is activism. And if that's all you can do right now, that's enough. Mm -hmm. And yeah, kind of like, you know, overthinking, thinking something is way more difficult than it is. Um, that really snowballed into me um, with Yellow Punk in my Yellow Punk Fellowship and with with my residency with the Independence Media Foundation and Leeway, as well as a grant from Leeway, I was able to create an online TV show that has yet to be released um, called Sabah al-Khara, which is an online late night morning talk, a morning talk show for late night people. What? Online, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> so you can have your tea and curse people out at the same time. You know what I mean? None of this. My dreams it's are a coming morning true. Show with a late night. Yeah, exactly. A morning show with a late night attitude for queer South, Southwest Asian and North African folks. Mm -hmm. So, you know, me as a teenager on the internet in Kuwait, where it's too hot to go outside and it's too dangerous for me to be openly queer, I found the internet and I found all the little gay people in the internet who kept me sane. And that was my my queer community until I was able to move to the United States. And it was obviously less dangerous to do that. Let's not say that it's not. Um, and breaking down stigmas like that, like people being like, aren't you so glad to live in the United States where you can be yourself? And it's like, well, can't, can I, you know what I mean? And so um, create showing the hypocrisy of what people think and using comedy and analogies to break down barriers and also create community for people. Um, and now also that flows into the work that I'm doing now. I um, I started working at Abortion Access Front, which I absolutely love. It's a nonprofit founded by the co-creator of The Daily Show, Liz Winstead, and we use humor to expose um, how the anti-abortion machine is working to create the situation that we find ourselves in today as well as doing work with um, independent clinics. You know, we go and paint their fences. We bring them food. We have our Adopt-A-Clinic program. We have an Exposed Fake Clinics program to make sure that people are staying away from fake clinics. And I get to make the TikToks, you know? What? <laughs> right there. <laughs> Telling you, you know, um, for example, this, for example, recently, we had a TikTok go viral because the Students for Life are saying that there's abortion pills in the water. <laughs> so we got to make a funny video debunking <laughs> that by drinking out of a hose. And, you know, I'm in the shower saying I got abortions in my eye. And so <laughs> is it easy to write jokes in this feminist hellscape, right? about these terrible things that are happening? Absolutely not. But is there a place where we can find humor and use that righteous outrage to make change? And again, create community, bring people together, get people involved that wouldn't have seen it before. Um, and we can use humor to do that. 
fucking A. That's awesome. Do you find it cathartic at all to make yeah. tragedy into humor? Yeah, I do. Because a lot of the times it really um it really takes the teeth out of the bad guy. You know, like uh one of the campaigns that we've done recently was a a, pro- a nationwide protest action where we had comedians call legislators and say, "Well, now that you're my doctor, I have some questions about my health care that I need you to answer. And um, we did this uh, a couple of times and it's, I was so nervous when I made that first call. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm calling a, uh, a person who makes the laws in this country. Who am I telling these little jokes about, are you going to warm up the speculum before you put it in me, doc, you know? Dr. Briscoe Kane. And I get this guy on the phone and he's such a numb nuts. <laughs> you know? Perfect this scene person, partner. Perfect scene partner who is who is actively ruining the lives of people with uteruses all over this country. And he's a fucking dingbat. And he is totally uh, you know, he's he, again, like you said, he's the perfect partner for this this prank call that I'm making really and it really just showed me like oh like I get to have fun while I show everybody that this is what we're up against Mm. and this is what you can do about it fuck yeah yeah. so my takeaway anybody can do that by the way it's it's make prank calls (laughs) yeah yeah it's hashtag send in the gowns you can find it at aafront.org and we have scripts and people you can call and you can absolutely do that. Mm. Mm-hmm. So say that one more time. You can follow a script where now? It's at aafront.org and it's on our send in the gowns page. You can also look up the hashtag, hashtag send in the gowns and you'll see um, Beth Stelling and Margaret Cho were a part of this uh, protest act. It was fabulous. Hashtag keep sending the gowns. Let's keep <laughs> sending them. Um, so this all sounds pretty fucking cool. I'm curious um, where it's taking you and kind of where you want to go with it. Um, but maybe, but I also don't want to like, are you feeling more in the moment or are you <laughs> thinking in that direction? I don't want You're to assume. So no, but I'm glad you don't assume because a lot of people do ask you like, what's next? And, you know, I hate and, that and question. I, I hate that question. And, you know, it's fine coming from you because you obviously get it. Like I actually, when I got this job, I was like, you know, I'm so excited to do this work and to get this position. Like it was my first full-time job as a writer on a writing staff where I didn't have to like find the money to do it myself. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was the first non-DIY writer job I had and someone said oh that's gonna lead to great things for you and I'm like motherfucker I I am and this just be the great things can this (laughs) exist I made it I'm working from home in my little guest room I'm wearing sweatpants right now Ada I'm done you know (laughs) yeah I made it but I mean but you know then there's the anxiety part of me that's like well you can't do this forever and you know what if tomorrow abortion is safe <laughs> what, am I gonna, what am i gonna do for the rest of my life um but that'd be know, cool 
there's always more work to do. And really, you know, all the cool things that have happened to me are because I know cool people who are genuine and care and lift each other up. You know, um, I got this job because my, my dear friend Chanel Ali recommended it to me and, uh, you know, <clears throat> comics got to stick together and, uh, activists got to stick together and you got to lift each other up and you're going to keep providing these opportunities to each other. And I have faith that that's going to happen because I, I am confident that I've surrounded myself with beautiful people like you mm. and, um, like all the people I work with who you ask me, who's inspiring me. It's these, it's these broads I work with, man. I mean, they are just incredibly dedicated to the work incredibly funny i mean they come to me they're like i know you're the comedian but what do you think of this and i'm like yeah. no edits that's fabulous you guys are they're hilarious every t-shirt uh we just came out with a, a labortion t-shirt instead of lacroix <laughs> oh my gosh it's so good where do we buy that <laughs> at, you can you can get that um at aafront.org or on our bonfire storefront um, oh. head to the website it's fabulous i i haven't gotten mine in the mail yet and i'm very excited to wear it everywhere completely personal curiosity Ooh. does one have to live in philadelphia to work for this organization of fabulous prods fighting for abortion rights great question we are nationwide we've got from new york to la we're based in new york got a lot of people in new york We've now got a couple people, Philly, Jersey, Tennessee, Missouri, LA. Uh, I'm missing a couple, but yeah, we're all over. We're, we, I work right at this little computer. I went up to mm. New York this past week, came right back. That's why I've been, that's why I'm exhausted today. I just got back from New York from, uh, for working. Fabulous. Mm -hmm. Work from home love the work from home life it's really i was working in restaurants and i really got i, I mean i was i was sold this is totally off topic but i was sold that you know success is the be all end all and that there are markers you have to hit or and they're very specific markers well, they're very specific or they're completely a mystery to you you know what I mean? Like it's one or the other. Um, and part of this demystification and coming into like, oh no, we're really supposed to like live for other people includes like me living for myself and working 85 hours a week and then going to do stand up comedy and traveling and going to comedy festivals, you know, the grind. I, I realized I didn't have to do that, you know, and nonprofits and activism really you know as much as we work very hard and we work overtime because the, the work is never done never sleeps and the work is never done you know there isn't this restaurant or even this comedy mentality of like if you are not absolutely killing yourself you're not doing it um you know and it's horseshit if you haven't figured that out yet take a fucking nap right now if you have anything, if you have more than one or two things per week on your calendar, too many. Them. Just don't do them. Just stop going. If people ask you need to do something, you're busy. Go watch mm -hmm. the ultimatum. 
Okay. <laughs> do something else. Oh, I just, my uh, friend Tiffany just told me to watch the queer ultimatum. Would recommend. I just finished it last night. Screaming. Ooh. All the memes I made at work today were about the ultimatum. So highly recommend. Highly Word. Recommend. Um, well, that brings me to the question. What are you reading, watching and listening to? Mm, great question. In that time, you're busy doing shit for In you. Yeah. Yeah. I love watching TV. That's another thing that I was told was bad for you that now I'm obsessed with. And now I'm oh, it's I write so TV. great. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my God, I should have been doing this whole time. Maybe I would have been writing television sooner. You know what I'm saying? Word. Um, a friend of mine and I are writing it. I missed like show. 18 years of so much good TV. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I just watched The Sopranos for the first time. It was fabulous. I still haven't seen that. Oh, hi. You're going to fall in love with Tony right away. Him and those okay. fucking ducks. Oh God, it's a great show. Um, love The Sopranos. Uh, just finished The Queer Ultimatum last night. Really good. I love Survivor also, in general. We watch a lot of Star Trek. We just finished Picard. Um, uh, me and my partners, we, not me and my cat and personalities. Uh, I also, what am I reading right now? I've been really enjoying books by Alice Feeney. And she's like the queen of twist endings. And I, I just looked up, what is a book with the most possible twist endings you could ever conceive of? <laughs> and, and she I came got, up she came up her book rock paper scissors i'm the kind of guy who's like i figured out the movie halfway through couldn't figure it out so if you love a twist start with rock paper scissors i've now read three or four books of hers um okay. and i love comedian autobiographies so i'm right now i'm reading jim carrey's mm. um which is really good and really sad um and it's a great book for people like me who and Jim Carrey, of course, who seems like this bright, shiny, happy star, but has a lot of stuff that that covers up. Um, and, you know, this this revelation about, like, taking care of myself and what success is and pushing yourself really undid a lot, a lot of that. And so it's been really nice to um, listen to this book. And Jeff Daniels reads it. So it's very cute. Another personal curiosity, as somebody who has really made an effort to watch and enjoy Survivor on the recommendation of two of my very oldest dear friends, what do you love about it? <laughs> well, I have a follow-up question for you, which is, did you try to start at the beginning and work your way through it? Oh, God, no. I started okay. with clip shows. And then I started okay. with the current season so we could, so Patrick and I could talk about it. And I got, yes. I think we got three episodes into the current season. I've slept through the second half of all three. Um, there. This was a good season. Um, okay. So, so that's, that's not the problem. For me, it's strategy. It's watching people be like, so-and-so has this immunity. I have this relationship with this person. Like, let me figure out how to manage that. All the while, the producers are like, let's fuck shit up and maybe put a surprise, send, send you off to a different island. And so it's just watching people's plans go awry. Meanwhile, they're like starving to death. So they're making the worst decisions possible. They've got like parasites, you know, they're literal brain worms. And so 
and the guy and getting his head bashed at the beginning of this current season and then continuing to play in the heat until he had to be removed from the game I was just like I was like yeah. man no amount of money is worth that you look like you are so hurt and here's the thing is is like the million dollars like I'm sure they're playing for that but it's and especially on these seasons where survivor fans are going on the show they're doing it to be fucking boston rob or whoever the you know the main players are like they want to be this fucking guy that they love like they want to be this character um because you become a legend Mm. and people come back people come back for multiple seasons i was noticing that yeah it's kind of like doing an Iron Man or whatever that shit is called. I'm like, why would exactly. why would you do it once, let alone hurt yourself again and again? <laughs> yeah, I think I mean not I my know preferred for pain. A hundred percent. As a fan, I know that I would get sent home on the first day for having a tummy ache. Guarantee it. A tummy ache specifically. I would, I would have one tummy ache and I'd be done. Mm. Um, so I'd probably survive better on Brave Big Brother, which is why I'm trying to get or the circle um so i'm trying oh you'd be great on the circle (laughs) great on the circle i was on one netflix competition show and i did really well i'm not going to tell you if i won because you have to watch it and because will you tell us the title of the show delight the show is sing on on netflix with titus burgess as the host and i'm on episode eight it is a karaoke competition show (laughs) and i'm on the country episode because of course um and getting getting on a reality competition show is a bit of storytelling because you have to like be a character right like you have yeah who did you were you the dramatic one how did you sell your your personality um it's funny because I said this exact line and one of the producers was like say that at the next audition I said I am the what did I say I'm the Muslim wine snob who loves country music and they were like bingo no one else is going to be that guy <laughs> you gotta be that guy for us. um and that's how i got on the show um, <laughs> that not singing well of course singing well mm. you put my country cousins band to shame sorry nathan and anthony <laughs> nathan and anthony i'm starting beef with you right now um, it's on. The, uh, yeah oh i'll meet you behind the honky tonk bye um I'll be selling tickets. (laughs) So speaking of wine snob, I should add to this list drinking. What are you drinking? Yeah. Of wine snobbery. Well, you know, what's so funny is I don't drink that much anymore because, because I got the squiggly tummy. Um, I've been having migraines recently, but I do, I do love to drink. I love a glass of wine. Um, I found some really great non-alcoholic beers from athletic brewing that are so delicious. And then I've been putting in, I found a little, powdered thc cbd packets and so i have 10 milligrams of that in my fake beer and i still get a buzz now that's a cocktail yeah yeah um migraine question yes i have noticed that wines which are not vegan um always trigger a migraine Hmm. for me and I am curious if you have noticed a similar, I can drink a glass of vegan red or white wine with no problem. If I have a few sips mm. of a not vegan wine, migraine before I get home. That's wild. I've never had a vegan wine. Oh. I've had organic wines, but I've never had a vegan wine. The labeling um, and I don't know much about how they're... Shit. 
it's hard to find how, how, yeah, how did they do that do you know what's the pro- what's vegan about it uh something about the filtering process oh gosh yes i'm the sorry fish bones in the charcoal Fi- um and also eggs i think fish bones eggs and is red wine something about egg um is oh. all that i remember I'll have to look into that. Yeah, because I know some beers because of the filtration, because of the, the bones and the carbon. Something Glorious. like that. That's interesting. I'll have to check that out. I think it's probably sulfites. Mm. And they make those little things, wands you can dip in your wine to help you with it. Um, oh. I, just, I just don't drink. I just don't drink That's that much. I'll have, like, I'll have like one or two a month. Just because I like the taste and I think it's interesting to learn about Um but I become a, become a, a tea guy. Lots of tea. Speaking my language. Uh huh. I've got loose leaf, um, mint, and cinnamon, and right here, actually, because we had these fires. Mullion. Yep. So wait, I you're having and I did in tea. Mm-hmm. Well, we got smoke from the Canada fires. Right. And we were just like, it was dune out here. I swear to God, it was nuts. It looked like a desert. It looked like a dust storm in Kuwait. It was not dang. I haven't seen anything like that. And it really affected my lungs um, the last couple of days. That's some serious Philly news. Yeah. Yeah. I never in my wildest dreams would think of wildfires there. It was for wildfire smoke, but it blew the the fires are in Canada. It blew all the way down to DC. Mm. Mm -mm Mm-hmm. um stay safe keep those lungs healthy and happy it's mostly clear and i've been inside all day so i think we're good um as we're wrapping up is oh actually two two tv things first have you seen the big leap or i love that for you no okay i'm writing them down the big leap is there's only one season it's filmed in detroit michigan great um and it is a parody of reality TV with oh singing gosh. and dancing. Okay, I love it already. Um, phenomenal cast. You'll laugh, you'll cry, all the feelings, all the time. Right. And I love that for you. <laughs> a comedy with Sally O'Malley, whose real name I cannot remember. Oh, um, Molly Shannon? Molly Shannon. About the Home Shopping Network. Oh, yes. I um, remember hearing about that. Oh, that's fabulous. That's kind of like her character on the other two, which is another great show. Um, ooh, adding that to my list. Oh, my gosh. So good. Apparently, the most recent season is like off. They jump the shark. But the first two seasons are so, 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 so good. I kind of love watching TV once it jumps the shark. I like Empire. Okay, I watched Empire probably three seasons longer than I really needed to. <laughs> wanted to see. Just wanted to see. Just wanted to see what happens next. Um, Alyssa, where can our dear listeners find and support the things that you're creating in this world? Uh, dear listener, you can find me everywhere at the Dukeness. That's T H E D O O K 
k-n-e-s-s that's my website that's my instagram that's my tiktok that's my twitter that's probably some social media monster that i've completely forgotten about but anywhere you can find the dukeness you can find me um you can also find the work of yellow punk at yellow punk that's y-a-l-l-a-p-u-n-k and abortion access front we're online everywhere at abortion front and our website is aafront.org. We have activist calendars. We have activities you can do. We have stuff local to you, um, national data stuff, whatever you want to do to help save abortion. We've got it. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Uh, thanks for joining me. And Thank that is so our show today. Me. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>